You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. If not every Sunday growing up, probably every other Sunday, we would sing the hymn, Just As I Am. Great invitation song. We sang it all the time, and we'd sing a lot of the verses of that song. And there's a a line in one of the verses of that song that speaks to our our human condition, just as I am, what we bring to the table. And it says, just as I am, though tossed about, listen, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears, within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Fighting and fears, within, without. That is a reality that we deal with in our day-to-day lives. Conflicts, fears, anxieties, troubles, trials, we all deal with those things in some way, shape, or form. And I want you to see this morning that, that Daniel is, is ministered to by the Lord to prepare him for the conflicts that were coming. And by looking at how Daniel was prepared, you and I can be prepared for the the fightings and fears within without that we all face. So turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We're continuing our study line by line, verse by verse. This wonderful Old Testament book. Daniel chapter 10. We'll begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. It has been a frustrating summer. Lights out for a few weeks and we get those fixed and the AC goes out. Maybe the Lord's trying to toughen us up. I don't know what the deal is. Just trying to give us some uh, resolve. But again, it's something that can't be helped. We're Get it fixed as soon as we uh, can. We've, uh, we're abbreviating the service a little bit to try to you know, make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing, but we don't keep you in here too long uh, in um, the heat. But just pay attention to your neighbor. If they look like they're struggling, just fan them a little bit. Just you know, use your bulletin, just give them a little fan, and uh, just love your neighbor this morning. Sound good? You're like, that's not funny. Wait, I'm hot. Okay, all right. Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. The Bible says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great, what's that word? Conflict. And he understood the word, and he, under, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, based upon the conflict that he saw, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. 
We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together. Uh, Lord, help us to fix our eyes upon you, Jesus, in these moments. Speak to us through your word. Lord, capture our hearts as we celebrate communion today, that we might survey the wondrous cross, that we might rejoice anew and afresh that Jesus paid it all. And we'll thank you, Lord, for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I might add before we get started that the children's worship area's AC is working perfectly. So if you want to volunteer in the children's area, uh, it's cool in there. So uh, all of a sudden our volunteer needs are fixed. Okay, all right. We've examined in the second half of the book of Daniel two visions that were given to Daniel, followed by passionate prayer from Daniel in chapter 9. This is the final vision given to Daniel and the, the circumstances surrounding this vision and the vision are detailed in the last three chapters of this book. So chapters 10, 11, and 12 all deal with this final vision given to Daniel. And just a quick reminder, the first six uh, chapters of Daniel are narrative in nature. It describes uh, Daniel and some other Hebrew young men being taken captive to Babylon, living in Babylon, and staying faithful to the Lord uh, amidst great pressure to conform to the, the pagan ways of that nation. But they stay true to the one true God, and that's detailed in chapters 1 through 6. Chapters 7 through 12 are apocalyptic in nature, where we study and examine some visions given to Daniel that explain uh, coming events for the nation of Israel and indeed for our entire world because uh, these visions extend to the very end of time. And this final vision is laid out in the final three chapters. You can say it like this. The, the, the preparation for the vision is given in, in chapter 10. The contents of the vision are given in chapters 11, the beginning of chapter 12. And final instructions to Daniel based upon that vision are given at the end of chapter 12. So here in chapter 10, Daniel is prepared to receive the vision and we see the context in which the vision is given. And there's some, there's some takeaway for us as we study this passage. There's some application for us. And I want to point you to the application immediately. Because when Daniel begins to see the realities of this vision that is given to him, he begins to sorrow. And it says there that he was mourning for three weeks. I mean, this really affected him. This vision really, really affected him as he dealt with fightings and fears within, without. And so the way that the Lord touches him during this moment helps us to understand how we can face life when life seems daunting, when we experience fighting and fears within, without. So I want to give you just, just four application points about when life seems daunting. Has ever, life ever felt daunting to you? Raise your hand if life has ever felt daunting. Okay, all right. Number one, when this life seems daunting, understand the realities of conflict. Understand the realities of conflict. It says there in verse 1, the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was also named by the uh, Babylonians Belteshazzar. And the word was true. Now look what it says. And it was a great conflict. So Daniel is, is reminded by this vision, great 
conflict is uh, coming. He's reminded of, of two realities about the conflict. First of all, he's reminded of constant earthly conflict. Constant earthly conflict. It says in those days, I, Daniel, verse 2, was mourning for three weeks. He was thinking about the, the coming conflict for the Jews, for his nation, as they were uh, caught up in battles between other nations as one empire overthrew another. And in chapter 11, we'll see next week as the vision unfolds, there's a detailed description of the historical realities that were shared in symbolic form in chapters 2, 7, and 8. So remember chapter 2, we talked about the statue Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision. Chapter 7, we saw the vision of the four beasts. Chapter 8, we saw the vision of the ram and the goats. Those were symbolic ways to speak of the, the, the coming conflicts, how one nation would overthrow Another nation. We saw how the, the, we saw that the Babylonians would be overthrown by the Medo-Persians. Medo-Persians would be overthrown uh, by the Greeks. The Greeks would be overthrown by the Romans, and the Jews would be caught up in the middle of these conflicts. And so that's detailed descriptively in chapter eleven. And it's interesting to note that these these great conflicts, these great wars of human history between empires again would revolve around the nation of Israel and these conflicts we're we're told in chapter 11 we're going to see it next week will extend in some way shape or form extend to the end of time now we're not at the end of time yet one day the end time scenario will unfold we're not there yet and so until we get there the bible is clear there will be Conflicts. There will be great conflicts in this world. Continual conflict. This theme is echoed by Jesus in Matthew 24, 6 and 7 when Jesus said, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So we should not be surprised when we survey the world scene that there are conflicts happening. These visions given to Daniel tell us that. The words of Jesus tell us that. Human history tells us that. Did you know that many people stepped into the 20th century with great hope that because of the enlightenment of humanity that we would experience great peace in the 1900s? And there was a pervading sense in academia that things were going to get better and better and better and usher in a utopia. And then World War I happened. And then the Great Depression happened. And then World War II happened. And then Korea, Vietnam, and, and, and the Cold War. The, these conflicts overwhelmed our world, even though people thought it was going to get a lot better. Daniel is reminded here of constant earthly conflict. But then, and this is important, this is where we're going to learn something this morning. Daniel is reminded of the invisible war behind all wars. There's always going to be war until Jesus comes back to set everything right. But you need to understand there's an invisible war behind the visible wars that we see. Look what it says in verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is Gabriel. We'll talk about this in a few moments. Gabriel is talking to Daniel. Gabriel's the messenger angel. 
The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So Gabriel is saying that I came to bring you a message, and this, this king of Persia, this prince of the kingdom of Persia, withstood me until Michael came and helped me to get away and bring you the message. And then look what it says down in verse 20 and 21. The angel says, Do you know why I've come to you? But now I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. Who is this prince of Persia and this prince of Greece that Gabriel, the angel, along with Michael, are fighting against? These are demons. And it seems that the demonic realm focuses on different empires and they are behind the worldwide conflict happening in this time and in today's time. In fact, these demons are so focused on certain nations, they call him there, they call one of the demons the prince of Persia and another one the, the prince of Greece. It's like their assignment as a demon is to focus on a certain nation and to, to be involved in such a way that they are, they are encouraging conflict and evil to prevail. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Behind all of the, the earthly conflict, could it be that Satan and his demons are working overtime? Night and day with no rest to cause chaos and disaster in this world. Sinclair Ferguson says it like this. It is clear that behind the scenes of the conflicts of history lies a conflict in the heavenly realms. And can I tell you this? What is true on the national level as nations fight nations, empires fight empires is true at all levels of conflict. Political conflict, personal conflict, marital conflict, family conflict, church conflict. I, listen, I believe that the demonic realm is fanning the flames of human conflict at every level. And you say, Pastor Wade, that sounds a little weird. Like demons are involved in getting us to fight with each other. That's exactly what the Bible says. For example, over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We think we're fighting each other. The Bible says the one behind all of the conflict is Satan and his evil servants. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, over in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, this is a, a great passage for marriage. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In, in, in other words, if there is conflict between you and your spouse... Deal with it before you go to bed. 
And you know why you need to do that? You know why you need to deal with conflict in your marriage? Because that passage says, if you don't deal with it, you are giving the devil, the Bible says, an opportunity. That word opportunity can be translated foothold or place. So when you don't deal with your conflict, it's like opening up the door of your home and saying, hey, Satan, come on in and wreak havoc. That's what the Bible says. Satan loves to step into the middle of our, of our human fighting and striving. And he loves to fan the flame and influence us to turn on each other. So here in this passage, Daniel's reminded of constant earthly conflict. But he's also reminded of the invisible war behind all wars. Let me tell you something about this war, this cosmic conflict... Ultimately, between the Lord and Satan. The outcome, listen, this is important. The outcome is never in question. In Genesis 3, the Bible says prophetically, the first preaching of the gospel, the proto-evangelium. The Bible says that God will send someone through the seed of a woman whose heel will be bruised. That speaks of the cross, Jesus dying on the cross. But he will, at that moment, Crush the head of the enemy. Crush the head of the serpent. The battle has been won by Christ. But until Christ comes back and said everything right, Satan is raging. He's throwing a fit. So the battle or the war, the outcome is never in question. God wins. But until that day when God says everything right, the battles are real. Can I get an amen? The battles are real. And that's what Daniel's reminded of. Great earthly conflict driven by the invisible war. Driven by the demonic realm. Which leads to number two. When times are daunting, understand the realities of conflict. Number two, fear God, not man. Fear God, not man. Look what happens back in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like barrel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So Daniel gets a vision of the coming conflict. It's scary. It's terrifying. And then Daniel sees this vision of what he calls a man. And he describes this man. Now I believe this vision of this man is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. This is Jesus revealing himself to Daniel. And there are a lot of reasons I believe that, mostly the, the similarities between this passage and other passages in the Bible. 
For example, in verse 5, he's clothed in linen with a belt of, of pure gold. In Revelation 1.13, another vision of Jesus to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos is clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. In verse 6 of Daniel 10, his arms and legs were like the gleam of burnished bronze. Revelation 1.15, the other vision to John, his feet were described as burnished bronze. In verse 6 of Daniel 10, his body was like beryl. Beryl was a mineral consisting of a, of a silicate, beryllium, and aluminum. It, it was very, very hard, and it occurred in its purest form in colorless hexagonal prisms, and light would refract through it. It was a very beautiful thing to behold. And it says here that, that his, his body had the appearance of beryl, like this, like this pure, pure... Substance that refracted light in astonishing ways. In fact, the Roman naturalist Pliny described this, this, this uh, mineral uh, barrel as a transparent stone with a refulgence like that of gold. It's like he was shining gold. That's what he saw. And that reminds me of Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, when Peter, James, and John are on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says, Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. In verse 6 of 10, uh, chapter 10 of Daniel, the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. Revelation 1.15, it says, his voice was like the roar of many waters. Verses 7 through 9 of chapter 10, people hear a voice, but they don't see the vision. Which reminds me of Acts 9. Paul or Saul on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him, resurrected in a bright light. Paul sees him, the others do not. But they hear a voice and they are terrified. And then notice the response in verses 8 and 9. It says there, he fell on his face in deep sleep with his face to the ground. Over in Revelation 1.17, John says, When I saw this exalted vision of Christ, I fell at his feet as though dead. Similar response to the vision. So I believe this is a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ. I love what Warren Wiersbe says about it. Listen to what he says. To Abraham the pilgrim, Jesus came as a traveler. But to Jacob the schemer, he came as a wrestler. Before Joshua attacked Jericho, Jesus came as captain of the Lord's armies. And to Isaiah, he revealed himself as the king on the throne. But to the two Jewish exiles, Daniel in Babylon and the apostle John on Patmos, Jesus appeared as the glorified king priest. After seeing the Son of God, both men were given visions of future events that involved the people of God, events that would be difficult to accept and understand. So Jesus appears as if to say to Daniel, and as if to say to the Apostle John, you're going to see some troubling stuff, great conflicts, things that are daunting. So remember who I am. Remember Jesus is saying through his appearance, I am the king of all kings. You don't have to fear this world. You don't have to fear the conflict. Fear me. I'm the one true God, our Christ is awesome and majestic, and he deserves our allegiance and our trust. I believe that 
we'll see something akin to this in heaven. The exalted, glorified Christ that Daniel and John were privileged to see. But guess what? There's one detail that's not mentioned here in this text that we will see in heaven. In heaven, we will see the glorified, transcendent, exalted Christ, but he will have nail prints in his hands and spear print on his side as this great king came to this earth and lived a perfect life and went to the cross to die for you and for me. That's what we're celebrating today in the Lord's Supper. Number three, when times are daunting, understand the realities of conflict. Fear God, not man. Number three, fight from your knees very quickly. Fight from your knees. Look in verse 10. Verse 10 of Daniel 10. Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I've been sent to you. When he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Now I believe this is Gabriel. The scene shifts. Daniel falls on his face like a dead man before the exalted Christ. Gabriel shows up, lifts him up, and says, I got some things to tell you. He said to me, fear not, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words, your prayers have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Gabriel comes with a message, a response to his prayer, just like he does over in chapter 9. He responds, God sends Gabriel because he responds to Gabriel's prayer. And here's what I want you to walk away with. And this is, this is mind-blowing, life-transforming stuff. And I'm going fast, but I want you to hear these two things. First of all, God responds to humble, earnest prayer. God responds to humble, earnest prayer. He says there in that text, You set your heart, verse 12, to understand and humbled yourself before God. Your words have been heard. So when we come to God and pray with humble hearts, seeking hearts, God responds to our prayers. I quoted this last week, but Stephen Miller says, Daniel's fervent prayer, humble spirit, and commitment touched the heart of God. God responds to humble, earnest prayer. And so when we find ourselves in the middle of fightings and fears within without, when we find ourselves in daunting circumstances, we can be a part of addressing those issues through prayer because God answers prayer. And not only that, and this is going to blow your mind, all right? So you ready? Prayer moves the heavenly realm. Look what it says there in verse 12. He says, for from the first day, Daniel, that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. He was sent to give a message to Daniel. But look in verse 13. Prince of the kingdom of Persia, well, I believe is a demon, withstood me for how long? How long? For 21 days. But Michael, another angel, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And then when he helped me to overthrow this, this demon, he says, I was, I was left there with the kings of Persia. I came to make you understand that what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for days yet to come. So here's what I want you to see. And I don't want to build a detailed theology and go beyond what the Bible says. But I do think we can just look at this text and come to this conclusion. Daniel prayed... And angels moved. 
Daniel prayed and the heavenlies responded, right? That's what it says. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear in that text. I don't know what all that entails. I don't understand how the kingdom or king, prince of Persia, prince of Greece and Gabriel and Michael and fighting these demons and why he was delayed 21 days and how he finally, I, I, don't, get, I don't understand all of that. But I know the clear teaching of scripture is this. Daniel prayed and God sent angels into the conflict. God sent angels to respond to Daniel's prayer. Now think about that. Your prayers can move the heavenlies. That gives you an entirely different perspective on prayer, doesn't it? That God sends angels into battle as a response to a humble, fervent prayer. So you say, Pastor Wade, how should we address conflict, worldwide conflict, interrelational conflict, marriage conflict, family conflict? How should we address that prayer? The demonic realm is opposed to you. The demonic realm wants to destroy you and destroy your relationships. So pray. Because the witness of Scripture says God sends angels to respond. That's pretty cool, right? Again, I don't know how it all works. I think some people build a detailed theology that goes beyond what the Bible says here. But I think it's just a... Just a, just a glimpse of this passage brings us to that conclusion. We can fight the fights of this world. We can fight the conflicts that we will face from our knees. Number four, find strength in God's word. We're going to wrap up here. Look what it says in verse 15 of Daniel 10. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one of the likes of the children of man touched my lips And I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me. I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. I believe he's still talking to Gabriel here. He calls him Lord, but it's not the divine name. It's the the word Adonai, which is a general term for Lord or Master. He's, He's recognizing the authority of the one he's talking to. The angel was not Jesus, but he still was awe-inspiring to look at. And it says there, And one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man greatly loved, fear not, verse 19, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me. I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But now I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. I'm giving you God's message. I'm giving you God's word. There's none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. He's saying to Daniel, I'm giving you God's word. It's in the book of truth. And it will strengthen you through the conflicts. We see here the strength of God's perspective. Verse 20 Demons try to prevent Daniel from receiving a revelation of the future. Why? Because, listen, the enemy understood this word from God would strengthen Daniel and indeed all the people of God that would receive this message. 
So we see the strength of God's perspective when we have God's word to guide us through conflict. But then we see the strength from God's promises. There in verse 19, he says, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. In other words, he's saying God's got this. It's terrifying. The purge is overthrowing the the Babylonians and the, the Greeks overthrowing the Persians and the Romans overthrowing the Greeks and Antiochus Epiphanes and the Antichrist. It's terrifying, but God's got this. He's over it all. Be of good courage. The theme of the vision that we're going to study next week is this. It's going to be hard, but God wins and the people of God triumph. This is a promise of Scripture. And so we can find strength in the promises of Scripture. God wins. And guess what? In the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the difficulty, Jesus said, another promise from Scripture, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That gives us strength. So let me say it like this. The sovereign God that is overseeing human history is with you personally. The sovereign God overseeing human history is with you personally if you know Christ. And that should give you strength. So when life seems daunting, fightings within and fears without, understand the realities of conflict, the devil's behind it. Fear God, not man. Fight from your knees and find strength in God's word. That's how Daniel kept on keeping on as he was terrified by the vision and what the vision represented. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.